Okay. <laughs> We're all stressed. We're none of us are. It's not like a normal day in the shed when, when me and Moby are relaxed and Skin's pissed off about something. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to my world. Now, I'm getting so much variety on these little things. Now, are we actually ready? I am. Yeah, okay. we are. Okay, so we're actually all here. Yes, everybody? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so... Welcome back to Not the Shed, everyone. Not the Shed. I know. Faithful listeners will know that every time we start one of these podcasts, we welcome you back to the shed today because of the worldwide pandemic and our attentiveness to social distancing and, you know, frankly, our desire to preserve our own lives, we're all in separate places. KJ is in the shed. Rich and I, RJ and I, I'm PJ. RJ, introduce yourself. I'm RJ. KJ. And I'm KJ in the shed. Rather lonely in here, rather lonely. Yeah, we're all in different places. And this is a huge huge new experiment for us we can see each other we can hear each other but we're not in the same room the technology gap between what we've been doing and where we are today is enormous so if you're hearing this you should stand up and applaud if you're hearing this on a podcast you should think oh my god they can put a man in the moon and they can record from separate places it's unbelievable I'm exhausted already. We've been screwing around for almost an hour just to get to this point after having practiced for several hours the other day. So RJ, our technical guy, he might sound a little wilty today because he's been guiding KJ and I through an awful lot of stuff that we're not too adept at. He's been having to work pretty hard to get this podcast, this version of this podcast, going today. So I'm exhausted. I, I should say you would be. And uh, if you happen to also, you know, in our fondest dreams, you might actually be seeing this podcast, watching our mouths move and our eyes roll on YouTube. If that happens, you should send RJ a personal note, maybe a $20 bill, something, because doing that would be the height of our techno dreams, I think. So anyways, here we are. Good to hear everybody. Good to see you, boys. Welcome. Hi. Great to be here. <laughs> Happy to be alive. Happy to be alive. What? I mean, I'm so distracted by all this technology that I've kind of not mentally prepared myself with my usual fascinating list of stuff. But RJ, what do you got? Oh, well, uh, we got any list here. We got a number of topics today to cover. And first and foremost, I believe, is listener mail, because we are way behind I, in our listener. We've been getting lots and lots of mail for the last five or six episodes, and we completely forgot to go over it. Yeah, I'm down with that. I believe you're correct, too. All right. Are we ready? <laughs> I believe our listening audience has been ready for about five episodes, actually. I, I you know, I think. But yeah, we're ready. Okay. Uh, we had a comment going way, way back to uh, one of our Christmas episodes, episode 75, in which we talked about the painful process of getting a Christmas tree to stand straight up. Rob from, I think, Calgary pointed out that he says, given the amount of highly useful information provided on this podcast, meaning the Shed Dogs, I was shocked to hear your frustration over trying to get the Christmas tree to stand up straight using the metal screws. 
All you needed to do was put a piece of wood in the way of each of the screws, and this would help spread the pressure of the screw and make it easier to get the tree straight. Just saying, Rob from Calgary. So listeners, when you hear this, put a little mental note. I have to say, Rob from Calgary, I myself do use the wooden blocks method, and I stand by it, and yet I didn't bring it up in the podcast. I'm really glad that you did, because... Christmas tree straightening, of course, will be high on the minds of all of our listeners at this time. <laughs> As we approach Easter. <laughs> amongst funny. a pandemic. Yeah, it's <laughs> pretty funny. No, you know what? Anyway, I, I don't use that. I, I'm one of the people who curses and swears. And I was sort of flattered by Rob from Calgary's email because it kind of suggests that I would be competent to actually think about that instead of just half-assing my way through the whole exercise, which is what I do do every year okay we got one from uh, rob from saskatoon cap and bob from saskatoon as our faithful listeners will recall uh, cap and bob is a completist making his way through our older episodes he's up to number 37 now in which we talk a lot about uh, regulation and he said loved it i'm an enormous fan of regulation the pack is heavily regulated utopia is self-regulated and your island, Rich, will be nicely regulated. Good work, all of you dogs. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Rob. We have uh, Sam from Balfour on episode 78. Hi, Sam. Shout out to Sam. Sam, Sam says, just listen to, <laughs> listen to 78 and joined in the RJ Hook merriment. That was the episode in which I described my technical prowess, my mechanical prowess in getting the headphones hooks. Set oh, up. right, right, right. Sam says it's so reassuring to know that others suffer from the same handicaps. <laughs> we talked about in that episode, we talked about Johnny Yuma and, uh, Sam says, I think Nick Adams was Johnny Yuma who traveled alone. That is correct. He had thought that Johnny was dishonorably discharged in some desert fort and carried some kind of talisman forever. Uh, he thinks Johnny Crawford played, uh, Mark Kane and that's correct. Uh, Chuck Connors was a Dodger farmhand stuck behind Gil Hodges at first base. Did he open the show twirling his rifle? Absolutely. He twirls his rifle after he fires off the 12 or 13 shots. He does the classic twirl. And I've since learned that only Chuck could do that twirl because he's like six foot five or something. He's tall enough that the, the rifle would actually go in under his underarm. Uh, but uh, little uh, Johnny Crawford learned to do the twirl side hand. <laughs> well, I had a, oh, di I don't know, but I did have a follow-up conversation with Sam about that. And uh, he called me back after he'd sent the, that note. He, he called me back and said, I was thinking about it more. And uh, so I looked, he looked in the baseball Bible. It's this enormous volume of every imaginable baseball statistic. And he looked up Chuck Connor's career and Chuck wasn't really behind Gil Hodges with the Dodgers. Chuck actually appeared in one at-bat for the Dodgers in 1949. That was his whole Dodgers career. He did go on to play 65 games with the Cubs in 1951, and that was the sum of his major league career. He was in the minors for a long time. The other thing that he discovered that I thought was pretty fascinating was that Chuck is one of 13 Americans ever to have played both professional basketball and professional baseball who knew 
So I, I really thought that was fun that he was preoccupied with it, looked it up and called me back just to set the record straight. All right. Uh, Lee from Courtney writes us to point out that Kirk Douglas was not the guy doing the one arm push ups on stage at the Oscars. And uh, she says the now late Mr. Douglas was in good shape, but the actor you're thinking of was Jack Palance, Palance, yeah. Jack Palance. And he did it on the Oscars in 1991. And neither he nor Kirk was Charlton Heston. Yeah. And when you guys read that one, did you both go, oh, because that's what I did. I, as soon as she, as soon as I read the words, I thought, oh, of course it was Jack Pounds or Palance. Yes. I just completely skipped that one when we were talking about it. So good job. That's right. Jesse from Montreal writes in about, we talked about uh, BMI and ASCAP. Yeah. And those are the two main music publishing place in the U.S. He says, great segment on music publishing rights in Canada. We have SoCan, which does the same thing. So Canada has a single agency. And apparently almost all countries in the world have only one agency. It's just the United States and Brazil that ended up with more than one agency. Of course, the United States and Brazil, they always do the same stuff. Right. And SoCan actually collects royalties from BMI and ASCAP on behalf of Canadian artists. Jesse says every three months, he gets a big fat couple of bucks sent to him from SoCan for all of his songs on light to non-existent rotation on obscure college radio stations. Good, good. Nice. Now I'm just going to give a uh, call out to Jesse's band and album because they are both excellent. So I'm just calling that up. Um, well, while, while you're doing that, I would just like to kind of throw a question back out to Jesse if he's listening, which would be, if SoCon, SoCan, SoCan is collecting from BNI and ASCAP, does that really just mean the artist gets just another couple of pennies less because they have to take out an administrative <laughs> fee? I kind of wonder about that. I hope not. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Jesse's band is called Voodoo Jazz, and I don't know how to describe it. I mean, there's a lot of funk involved, excellent horns, good vocals, great album. The album's called Dig with an exclamation point. So if you listen to that on Apple Music or Spotify, every time you listen to that album, Jesse's probably going to get one to two pennies deposited mm. into his account so you can support him that way. What does Jesse play, Rich? He plays saxophone. Nice. Killer yeah. sax. Yeah, killer sax. So it's fun to listen to. Give that a try. And if you actually buy the album for 10 bucks, I think the band then probably picks up five or six bucks, something like that. So that's cool. A couple of interesting thoughts, Jesse continues. Most people think that the money goes to the recording artists, which is not always true. In fact, in the past, it was basically always the record label that owned the rights. Mm. And even today, the lion's share either still goes to the record label or only to the songwriter. And most musicians that play on hit albums rarely see a dime from royalties. Mm. And I know as an aside that they say that what keeps a band together a long time is when they decided to keep the songwriting credits split evenly amongst the entire band. And U2 is always given as an example of that. Like the, I think there's four guys in the band. They get 25% of the songwriting. And so they're all fabulously rich. And they're all happy to just keep playing together. Good huh. point. So I'm wondering, it's kind of analogous to uh, residuals, I guess, in the movies and TV, KJ. Like, if you're just a bit player, or if you're just the drummer in, in some band, 
you get paid for playing, but you don't get any royalties. Where And the same if you are just got half a line in something, you get paid for appearing, but you don't get residuals. Is that, is that a fair analogy? I think it might be. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Sorry, Skin. Uh, no. I just got a check uh, this week, and I get one, I believe, every three months from the show called Bingo. I'm sure you've heard me say this before. The residual is always $3 or $4. <laughs> and uh, we there's three of us cast to be executives watching a circus act. And I don't know if we're judges or if we own the circus, but it, the, 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 the camera just pans to us and we're sitting there and making, um, I don't know what's going on in this ring. Like we don't like what's going on or, or I don't know. Anyway, we had no lines. We were hired as special skill extras. This is one of my very first gigs ever. And I don't know where this movie gets played, but somewhere <laughs> out there in, in the hinterland, somebody is p- still paying residuals. I don't know if it's, in a, if it's clumped in a group or something. Uh, but, it's probably uh, college and university TV stations. It's right alongside the, uh, right. the audio stations that play Jesse's music. It's the same sort of that, thing. <laughs> that's right. And now those are, um, uh, as long as somebody is broadcasting that somewhere... SAG and ACTRA and AFTRA and all those guys, they keep track of all that stuff. And I believe it's in perpetuity. I don't think those end. Sometimes they'll just diminish down to almost zero, but the things still trickle in. Like, seriously, bingo was probably the late 80s, people. $4 every three months since the late 80s. It would be really, really fun. Well, Well, to me, okay. Maybe it wouldn't be really, really fun universally. I, as one individual on the planet, would really love to know what the grand total of money you've made off bingo is. You start thinking about what you were paid there up front, and then whatever the sum of all those $3 checks yeah, has been, I'd exactly. love to know what that was. Uh, they, there's, well, there's usually a year-to-date tally, but I don't know if there's a forever-to-date, you know. Yeah, yeah total today but i'll look that up the next pay stub i see skin oh just for fun sorry rich (laughs) that's pretty awesome that every three months you get to buy yourself half a coffee yeah 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 well i mean every time i hear stuff like that i immediately go to chubby checker like he's still out there doing the twist somewhere you know it's pretty much the only thing he ever did and he's lived his whole life essentially doing the twist i think how about how about arctic air do you were you set up to get royalties on that or was it just a buy you out no they buy you out for five years but after five years you get a percentage of whatever is going on i've got nothing from arctic air um uh, but i think that's because somebody hasn't bought it i'm i'm not sure i'm not sure about that i should look into that one like i get stuff for x files still i get you, you know there's still a lot of big checks that i get bouncing in every once in a while well maybe that's nice maybe aptn or somebody should buy arctic air i want them to do it just so that my picture of me and adam beach becomes more valuable that's that's the only reason (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't it was on aptn for quite a while i don't know so they've already bought it oh sorry that oh it ran for oh yeah yeah for quite a while like for probably up until last year sometime oh man awesome yeah so finally uh jesse closes with he says, finally, you are not legally allowed 
to deny someone the right to cover your song. However, you can charge any amount you wish, <laughs> effectively saying no. Nice. He says, I once tried to license the final countdown for a silly holiday animation for my company, and the record company wanted $20,000. Needless to say, we recorded our own cheap knockoff. And by the way, in the show notes, I'm going to put a link to that uh, silly holiday animation with the cheap knockoff. It's actually quite fun to watch. Cool, cool. Thanks, Jesse. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a very good one, actually, that note. I like that one. Well, I like them all, but that one was good. Right. What else you got there? Uh, you got tons. Yeah, well, this these are, I think, at least this next one's very, very fast. Uh, in uh, episode 79, when we talked about lady doctors, among other things, I talked about getting a, sh- a shingle shot. That is important to get, although I'm not sure people want to actually go out for their shingles shot with the current pandemic. But under normal times, shingles shots are highly recommended to people of a certain age. Uncle Uncle Mike from uh, Rosslyn chimes in, I had shingles. Bad. Got the shot. So did Joanne. Mike likes to speak in shorthand, I would say. But he had a bad case of shingles and it, it uh, was very not very good for him. So he they definitely keep up to date on their shingles shots, as should we all. Damn it. Lee uh, chimes in on the same topic. And she does, decides to put it to the uh, words to a song here. She goes, shingles. Huh. What are they good for? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> she says That's the shots funny. are very worth it. Also, get the flu shot every year. And thanks tons for the unhaggle.com tip. Once again, the podcast was more than just three well-modulated voices. Oh, well-modulated. Oh, we have well-modulated faces today. <laughs> well, that kind of remains to be seen, no pun intended, but yeah, maybe. Nice. All right, and that's it for listener mail. Wait a sec. I think we had another one from uh, Jane of North Vancouver, my cycling group guys. I happened to send a note back to my cycling group guys, and I left my signature area saying, a proud Jed dog. Hear us at www.sheddogs.ca. I usually take that out when I'm sending to people that don't really know that I do a podcast and I left it in and one of the cycling guys came back and said, oh, we listened and it was the best podcast ever. It was really, really enthusiastic thumbs up from uh, Jane of North Vancouver. So Jane, if you and Ian are now regular listens, shout out to you and thanks for that. It was cool. Thanks, Jane. Thank you, Jane. And is that really it? Is that all we've got? Well, I'm sure we missed half uh, due to my weak organizational skills, but uh, that's (laughs) probably enough for this episode. Yeah, probably, probably. We can keep going. Hey, I have a thing I need to announce. There's two things. I got a couple of tales from the shuttle that are a little stale. And then I have a COVID-related announcement about the shuttle. How do you want me to go, boys? What do you think? What's going to provide the greatest dramatic impact? Tales first, I think, and then the then the COVID. Okay, article. okay, because I'm pretty sure everyone's going to guess, anyways. But the tales were, um, yay! Here comes Dill with all my supplies. Oh. Thanks, Dill. Yeah. Hi, Dill. Uh, no bleach. Okay, you can just leave that out here, Dill. No bleach. And my credit card, if you would. No bleach. No bleach in the stores. Yeah, there's no nothing in the stores. I noticed they're really pushing Lysol toilet bowl cleaner. Did you find smokes? I'm kind of wondering whether Lysol toilet bowl cleaner 
is being bought by many people as a substitute cleaning thing for hands and surfaces and everything else. Mm. I don't know. And Thanks. speaking of bleach, just as a public service announcement, despite what Donald Trump says, <laughs> drinking bleach does not cure COVID-19. Please do not drink bleach. Well, I mean, I guess you could argue that it cures it in the sense that you will be dead and therefore no longer suffering or infected. But other than that, yeah, no, don't do it. Yeah. Tales from the shuttle. So here's the first one. I was at work there and somebody needed a ride someplace. A woman, she was going very nearby, less than a kilometer, but she had to get to work. So I said, okay, let's let's head on out. And we go out to the car. And just as we get into the car, a man jumps into the back seat. He'd followed us out of the uh, waiting area at the showroom at the dealership, hops in the back seat. And I thought, oh, oh, that must be her partner. Because clearly, you know, he didn't say anything to me about needing a ride. And I just assumed that she was by herself so okay so we drive over there and uh, we get to where she's going less than a kilometer away she hops out and the man doesn't and so I turn back and look at him and I say oh well sorry I I just assumed you guys were together he says no 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 and he's looking all kind of groggy and his eyes are all kind of swirly he says "Uh, so how far away are we from the dealership and I said (laughs) uh about about a minute I can take you right back there right now if you'd like <laughs> and and he says well can we uh can we go get a coffee and I just thought oh and I said uh, no I can't really do that I got people waiting for me I got to go out and get a guy here and somebody else there and he says well where do you have to go and I said I got to go to West Van to pick somebody up and bring him back she says okay I'll go to West Van and I'm thinking I can't really tell the customer that he's not just supposed to joyride around with me but this guy, there's something up with him. Eh? He was, oof. and so I go all the way out to West Van with this guy in the car. I pick this woman up. She's pretty affable, and the guy's just quiet in the back. He's not doing anything. I pull up in the dealership. The woman gets out, and the guy, I'm, I kind of look in the mirror at him, and he's just sitting back there. And I said, "Well, we're back here now. You want to hop out and wait in there?" And he says, "Can we just go get a? Can we just go get a nice coffee? I'll buy you one. Can we just go?" And I said, "I can't do that. I got places I gotta go." I think you probably need to get out here and wait. And uh, I got to run around. So he finally got out. I found out afterwards that the guy had been a customer a decade ago and that he, there really is something wrong. I don't know if it's a medicated thing or some sort of mental imbalance. Uh, I don't know what it was, but he was definitely, he was a guy who once brought his car in three consecutive weeks to complain about an excessively bumpy ride And on each of those weeks, the mechanic finally, as a last resort, checked the tire pressure and found that each of those visits, the tires were inflated to over 50 pounds. In other words, they were just rock hard. Rock hard. If you're not familiar, normal tire pressure is about 32 to 35 max. 35 if you've got a heavy load. It's usually sort of 30, 32. You put them up to 50, you may as well be riding on steel. And like they deflated the tires, took him for a test drive. He agreed that everything was good. They told him what the issue was. Okay, everything's good. Next week comes in, rough ride. Tires, 50 pounds. Deflate, ride, agree. Next week, same thing. And they finally told him to stop coming back. You're wasting everybody's time. And at that point, I believe he decided he was no longer going to be a customer of that dealership. And in this last go around, I guess he was getting some minor service done and he had implied very strongly, if not overtly declared that he was looking to buy a new car. So they better treat him right. And I just thought, 
if this guy has the wherewithal to buy a brand new Volkswagen, I am clearly not living right because he looked like he was probably not employable. So there, that was one. That was my first ever experience with a customer where I felt sort of mildly (laughs) creeped out. You know, I thought, I'm not sure this is so good. So then the other one of these stories is, uh, I may have mentioned that I drive around with CBC uh, Radio 2 music all day long. It's contemporary till 9 a.m., classical till 2, and then contemporary for the rest of my day. So we were in a contemporary section, and uh, I'm going to pick a guy up, and the announcer, the CBC announcer comes on, and he says, I'm just going to play this for you. Maybe many of you won't recognize this, but this is Clyde Stubblefield, and he's playing a, a drum solo that's become very, very famous in the, I believe, the hip-hop world. It's sampled and used constantly, this drum riff that this guy does. And I'm just thinking, I know nothing. And so here's Clyde Stubblefield. I can't remember if he was Earth, Wind, and Fire, but it was from a session in 1969, and it's called Funky Drummer, this song that they're playing, Funky Drummer. And he plays the, the break, right? So this is going along. And just as my customer gets in the car, they're at the break. And the drummer's doing his thing. And the guy gets in and he says, whoa, Clyde Stubblefield. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> I just went, what? And he said, yeah, that's Clyde Stubblefield. That's super pop. And I said, the guy just said that. I can't believe you know that. And he said, yeah, I moved here about four months ago from Edmonton. I was a music producer for years in Edmonton, hip hop mostly. And that's a really popular drum riff. I just thought it was really fun that at the very moment that is playing, a guy gets in and just instantly calls it. He was all happy about I had this on the radio. Eh? He thought it was He thought it was me. But it was just just a thing. I thought that was really fun. So those were the two tales that I had. The other thing that happened, uh, which is a separate list. I was just going to say, as an aside, uh, uh, David, like a number of these guys get sampled over and over in hip hop. And the classic from me, I don't know if it's the most common one, is David Bowie. Uh, He did a track with Queen called Under Pressure. Yeah. And it's got that do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
when they start asking people to not apply for it if there's any way they can get by without it. Like, really? I don't think it's quite like that, though. I think um, the most effective programs do not have a lot of means testing. Um, if they actually set it up so that they only give money to people that need it, it's highly complicated. Yeah. They have to go, did you really get laid off? We'll have to phone your employer. Yeah. Um, well, and so all the means testing is considered to be a bad, bad idea for these things. The closer you are to universal income, income the simpler everything is. So they do have to maintain on the honor system. And I understand that people, some people will always abuse that, but others won't. So I think it's a, it's a good approach. Like don't do a lot of means testing, offer people these programs. And for those, I think there are, I, I'm going to guess 50% of the people will be honest about it. They don't really need it. So they won't apply. So, or they'll, they'll get, come to that point in the question. I totally agree with it. But, uh, yeah, <sighs> well PJ, now, PJ, now I'm we so can, now, now our, our listeners get to see people's faces now. I it know. Really tells you, a lot. I'm, but I'm, you go ahead. You go ahead, PJ. Well, I'm just feeling suddenly outed. I'm now facing a desperate ethical challenge because I have as much as admitted that I can probably survive without it. Damn it. Uh, and that's why I was also going to say, KJ, this is why we have him on the team because he's right. Of course, means testing is impossible. And that is the correct and more upbeat view than my cynical, oh, they don't even give enough money, so now they're begging people to not take it. It's tiresome, isn't it? We can agree that it's tiresome. Well, yeah, but I, I think that when you look at long-term survival, you have to look at, you know, how much do you have invested? What are the sizes of your pensions? Um, what are the things likely to happen in the long run because you've lost this income? I don't think it's, you know can you survive for the next week without it? I think yeah. very, like I know there are people who are living paycheck to paycheck and they simply cannot survive. They can't get a loan. So that's number one. But also there's number two is, are you going to have challenges, likely have challenges with your with the retirement for the rest of your life? Then you have to look at that and take yeah. that into account as well. Yeah, it isn't really? dead straightforward for sure. Self-employed people can actually, I don't know if this is still in effect since Trudeau did his thing, but the BC government was saying that uh, we could collect some sort of EI for self-employed people. You just have to say, what were your best two weeks yeah. in the job that you usually employed at? Yeah. And if you can, and then we will give you 55% of that or something. Now, I don't know if that's still in effect or if, if Trudeau's, Two thousand dollar package just wiped that out. No, I'm but, not, but not sure either. I think the any, same kind of thing is going for part timers. Same thing. Find your yeah. best two weeks and use that, and then then you go through the rest right. of the process based on that as your stated income. And this thing, oh, you can't apply until April. So yeah. actually, that's only like five days away anyway. So yeah, uh, and you go through. I think you have to register with CRA. Uh, so I'm not, the, sh- not sure. I don't know what the thing, I haven't embarked on the whole voyage just yet. Yeah. Cause there's a, there's a whole, I think there's three different options for getting free money. Uh, well, yeah. good. I'm, I'm glad they're doing something. Honestly, like I may or may not be in a, in a position of even modest need, but there's a lot of people who are in a position of real desperate need. And so I'm glad that they've put up money. I'm very, right. very glad about that. I understand there's a lot of things I could object to other priorities where they could have come up with $80 billion and invested it prior to this thing. And it wasn't important for those, but they've come up with it for this. So good on them. They should be applauded for that. Yeah. 
I had some other thought there too. I did do some, oh, I know what it was, RJ. You'll be pleased with me. I took the up, upbeat worldview. Somebody, they recently announced a thing where you can apply for $500 in rent relief that is deposited directly with your landlord. And I saw a bunch of feedback and social media suggesting, oh, what, now we've got to do all the paperwork for landlords? That's really and you'll be pleased to know that I tried to find the high road and suggest that it was way better if the tenant did the paperwork because that way the tenant knows that the landlord is receiving the relief and can look for that to be deducted from their rent. If you left it to the landlords, the likelihood is they would apply and in many cases the tenant would never be the wiser. Right, right. Uh, so so there. That's one Good for point, me. Good point, Skinny. Good That's point. That's one to... to you know, put up against my thousand unduly negative takes on everything. Although that is actually kind Good of a negative job. take. But anyway, there uh, it was. I do see a lot of positivity in the media and on Twitter about Canada in general, our approach. Good news, like BC is actually testing at a higher rate than South Korea. Good. I um, saw that today too. Yeah. I'm happy about that. I've, I've been wanting to see things about rate increase in testing. I'm seeing a lot of feedback about uh, our politicians being really good with each other and uh, not playing little games, or at least not that we can see, and the news media doing their best. You know, the news media is not very numerate in general, <laughs> but but they're doing their best, right? and a lot of their audience isn't numerate either, so, yeah. so what? You know, like uh, yeah. giving a positive message and, and reinforcing over and over and over the, the methods to flatten the curve. I think, awesome job. Yeah, you know, I've been seeing guys making their own masks, and I applaud that. I understand that the masks are not terribly effective, but I also understand that they're far superior to nothing. Uh, as long as everybody understands their limitations, having them is much better than not having them. I picked up a thing, too, where I've been trying it when I walk the dogs these days. Every time I see anybody out on the street when I'm walking the dogs, I make a point of smiling and saying hello, which I don't always do, but I'm doing it now just because I think it it's just matters. Like, people are out, and it just, yeah, there you go. <laughs> See that? Good job. That baby. KJ's wearing, a, KJ's wearing a mask right now for our audio-only listeners. And it's the full-on uh, mask that covers his face with the two big pink canisters coming out of it. What yeah. do we have there, KJ? Uh, well, the, the only problem was that, with this. Can you hear me? <laughs> I yes. love the, the sound. The, the, the sound says it all. Is, is that um, uh, I have a beard. Yeah, no seal. So, so I was... Uh, so last night I was talking to a dear friend and i we were talking about the podcast on skype and everything and i said i'm gonna shave actually so you're the visual uh enhanced people can see that i'm just gonna shave right around here where <laughs> just where the mask fits and then i thought it would be great to be down on the drive without the mask with just this oh. little shaved area i think uh, you'd wouldn't, be the wouldn't breaking, that be a fashion oh, breaking edge of a fashion wave the covid cut. yes oh yeah the covid cut yes for all the hipsters man yeah, everybody they would know really look at that they would guy. bow down to me they yeah. would bow down to me well actually anyway. i think if they saw you with that thing on they would assume you were a galactic star trooper and bow down anyways <laughs> that's a that's a serious looking thing i just need some, some new some, goggles uh, Ask for some listener assistance on this related topic. Uh, today is March 26th, and we're going to try and get the episode out fairly quickly. I don't know when you're going to hear this, 
But in the feedback, let me know what to do about our, we have a problem. We have, we're sitting on 10 uh, N95 masks that we, I ordered them about eight months back just in case there's forest fires or whatever. And um, the news is full, especially in the States, there's full of, oh, these hospitals, they've run out of N95 masks. They're doing what they can. I keep Googling and trying to see Fraser Health, for example, which is my local health authority. Um, are they looking for N95 masks? Can I drop this box off? They're all sealed. So if anybody knows where I can donate, I honestly, I, I don't want to drive down to the hospital. I don't want to just show up at somebody's front desk. Um, well, it, because they'll take them and then you really don't know whether they're actually going to be used and deployed or what. If they say right. we need them, yeah, okay, then I'd drive down. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're all sealed and I, I've been looking at it. N95 masks, like KJ, you were referring to, you can't wear them when you have a beard. They actually do, the healthcare workers actually do a test. I forget what the name of the test is, but it's to see, it's, it's hilarious. They, they put on this hood and they blow in bitter or sweet, their choice, little bits of droplets. Mm. And, and they go, okay, can you, can you taste that on your tongue? And they go, yes, mm. you can. Okay, good. Now put on your N95 mask. Yeah. And they do the same test. They go, well, wait a minute, I can still taste it. That's a and good so idea. That's, that's how they have to do it. Every hospital person who needs to wear those masks have to every year do this testing. That means they totally understand how to perfectly pull each yeah. strap and their uh. face. So anyway, like people who are sitting on N95 masks like ourselves, um, they're not of great use to you unless you know what you're doing and you've been fully tested. And so we're, we're looking for what to properly do with these masks. If anybody, uh, that's a good one. if anybody actually knows, let us know. Do you know what about um, your local old folk home? Like, yeah. would, I don't know if they would, I guess it's just something we have to look into. Because I have six, I think, but it is not in a sealed package anymore. But of course, you could just leave those to dry for three days and they'd be fine. I think you might find that each of them is plastic sealed, though? No. Nope. Within the box? No? Okay. All right. Uh, interestingly, I saw a Facebook post this very morning from longtime listener Susan of Rossland, who also has a box of 10 of those in her garage. She got them for some renovation work years ago, and she's kind of also having the same sort of, does somebody need these more than I do? Cause, yeah. So maybe she'll hear this and, and take some thoughts about what she might try to do to get rid of them. And also related to that, boy, have I ever seen a lot of pictures in social media lately of health workers, caregivers with uh, very either red or actually bruised faces along the outlines of the masks and straps. Yeah. Yes. I mean, shout out to those guys. They are just in it. Oof, boy. If you, you guys, do, you, do you guys bang your pots at 7 o'clock? No, I keep missing that, but I'm going to try to get on it because I think it, A, Can you hear fun. any in your neighborhood? I, I don't even know if I've been home in my neighborhood for the last several uh, 7 p.m.s. I've been out seeing right. my daughters and stuff like like uh, Just to be clear, socially distanced hiking seeing my daughter but yeah i i think that's a thing i want to check out for sure rj you hear them in your neighborhood no have not heard them and i wonder do the healthcare workers hear them how does that all work well you got to assume that uh, there's probably healthcare workers that live in your neighborhood right yep and i i guess it's healthcare workers but it's almost like um it's everybody it should be the grocery store clerks it's, and it's the, everybody yeah yeah, yeah. And I mean, the way they see it is social media. You'll see a lot of healthcare workers responding to videos posted on social media by a non-healthcare worker. 
you know, somebody in the West End will step out on their balcony and pan across yep. the West End while all that racket is going on. And then you'll see care workers responding to that post saying they're really, you know, touched by it, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's, yep. uh, it's a thing to do. Start, I guess that started sort of in Italy, didn't it? I think it did. We've got to try to get this episode out. The, I think our editor probably needs to be... Uh, we've got to up the editor's reward so that he gets this stuff up a little quicker. Right overtime. Yeah, overtime pay. We'll double your uh, payment. I think triple. Triple would be the triple. minimum I could do more for. So Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for that, boys. D- done. I'm good with that. Patreon. <laughs> yeah. All employees get an extra $2 an hour. Yes, but they got to promise to not quit before the end of April. <laughs> I think we should use GoFundMe. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. And uh, what else we got? I, can I do a little shout out to another non-listener? I've, occasional listener Jenna of Port Coquitlam got accepted to Twin Rivers University. We'll be, going to, we'll be going to uh, Kamloops next year. Woo-hoo. Assuming that it's all working. You know what I mean? So that's a huge piece of news in my life. That's real good news. Very happy. That's fantastic. That. Yeah, very happy. Hmm. Uh, and what is the uh, program? Do we do we know? Yes, but I can't remember. I, I was afraid you were going to ask me about that. It's I want to say environmental science, but I believe I have got that wrong. It is connected to environmental work, but I don't think it is the environmental science. It's it's related, but not the same. I got it wrong. So it's either environmental science or mechanical engineering. You're not no, really sure. No, no, it's environmental <laughs> science or or biodiversity management or something. You know what I mean? It has something yeah. to do with the environment. Yes. I just I just can't remember. She she made the choice based on how much chemistry was going to be involved. <laughs> well, let me ask you this then. Is it related to their forestry faculty at all? I don't know. I, okay. I would guess it probably has a relationship, just not very tight would be my guess. But I don't know. Yeah, because Hannah of Surrey was in natural resources conservation at UBC, and that was part of their forestry. You know, that sounds sort of semi-similar to the thing. I wish I could remember it, but point is she's in i'm happy and she's happy congratulations yeah well done jenna Jenna. way to go jen uh what else we got here boys how's how's everybody feeling just let's interrupt how do you everybody feel about how this is going do we how's our confidence level at this point as to whether we will have a decent episode at the end or not well, I mean, as you know, we always consider uh, uh, every every single episode, we're going, man, this is going to be terrible. Oh, yes. And I, I should have <laughs> clarified that, not, not in terms of our usual high expectations for content, but at this point, listeners, I think we've told you this is our first time out with this. How's everybody feeling confidence-wise that we're going to be able to cobble all this together and produce an episode that doesn't sound wildly different? Anybody? Oh, it's great. Oh, I think... Uh, I'm very confident myself with right in your skills, skin. It's not my skills. Because uh, every time anything comes up, I have to go to our uh, technical wizard. He also, I think we should triple his wage also, because he's been working overtime on this remote thing. But anytime anything comes up, nice. I'll just, I can't make it do this. What do I do? And then I'll just give him control of the screen and he'll do it. So, anyway, I just wondered. I'm feeling pretty nice. good about it. I think we'll get there. So what else have we got? Well, I have uh, something from uh, a uh, awesome YouTube video I watched, which was uh, CGP Gray's latest video. He he focused in on tumbleweeds, and so just a few things. Well, uh, once again, we'll put the link to this video in the show notes so you can watch it yourself. But uh, he does those little animated videos. They're stick people, and uh, they're just fun to watch. And 
Like, what do you guys think about tumbleweeds? When you think tumbleweeds, what do you most associate that with? Yeah, the Roadrunner cartoons. Oh, and Clint Eastwood and Sergio Leone spaghetti westerns. That's old old westerns. Have you seen yeah. real? Uh, have you seen real tumbleweeds in your in your life? Well, they've been in the in Not the news sure. lately because they're they've been um, amassing in huge quantities. Like wow. massive quantities, yes. and maybe that's climate change or something. But that's just—I've never seen that before. That's just in the last three months or two months or something, right? Yeah. I very rarely have seen tumbleweeds while on vacation in like Midwest states. You see oh, one right. go tumbling by, and you go, "Oh, cool!" You know, you finally get to see one. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so this video just—I'll I'll give you. I'll try not to give all the highlights in the video. It's really worth watching, regardless. But uh, tumbleweeds are not indigenous to north america they were introduced in the old west that's where you most see them is in old westerns the best theory that people have is that tumbleweeds came in on a packet of seeds purchased for flowers or or planting maybe farm farm seeds purchased from actually russia and because they are indigenous in russia tumbleweeds and so they came in on a packet of seeds they started growing the plants are a total menace like they grow, they grow their nice green plants. They, they're in the form of a ball. I think they're about three, four feet across, maybe at most. And they grow up and then the seed pods are all through the, the weed. And then basically they die. And now they're dried out. The roots come un- uprooted and they roll with the winds. And then as they roll, the seeds get the planted. Spread. Yeah. And that's how they spread so rapidly. And then they have terrible thorns. Like if you think of roses, that's nothing. Anywhere you grab the, the tumbleweed, you're going to get poked with it. So they're, they're, they're not very nice. They burn quite easily. So farmers, of course, have crop fires sometimes. And the way they get around that is to you know have great big strips of unplanted land. Well, these tumbleweeds get on fire and they just fly up <laughs> over the... And they just spread crop fires like crazy. Um, I can't remember what else is awful about them, but Moby, what you're talking about there, yeah, absolutely. There are huge, huge piles of tumbleweeds. They have to shovel them off the road. Cars have to stop. They can't travel. Uh, It's just a big disaster. So what would their purpose be in nature? To continue their own, propagate their own lives. But are they good for something else? Like, does anything eat them? Oh, must be, right? You'd think? I don't know if you, maybe the seeds are really good if you got them before they started rolling and you shook all the seeds out. <laughs> Mix those for your sesame seeds. <laughs> yeah. My guess would be that they're kind of like, you know how in the forests in uh, North America, they many forests were originally sort of evolved to sustain bushfires every other year to keep, that's why you get trees with really thick bark because they have to be able to re- resist fires of a certain intensity not super high and those fires do all kinds of other fabulous evolutionary stuff they they free up space there's certain species of plant that only reseed after a fire is burned through maybe right, right. maybe in russia those things do the same thing i don't know uh, uh, i i they might but it's just oh, a here's some uh, real time follow up here summary the lowly ill regarded tumbleweed might be good for something after all A preliminary study reveals that tumbleweeds, also known as Russian thistle, 
and some other weeds common to dry western lands have a knack for soaking up depleted uranium from contaminated <laughs> soils at weapons testing grounds and battlefields. Yeah, so so for the three Whoa. square miles of North America that is contaminated with that's awesome, and for the other billion or so, man, not so much. That was the whole that's point from an evolutionary standpoint. Yeah. Way back then, the tumbleweed's yeah. little brains knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the uranium's coming. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, you sent the link for that CGP uh, gray thing, and I watched it. I had no idea, no idea that those things were such a nuisance. And it's interesting, again, this morning on social media, I was responding to a tweet about the worst, most pervasive, horrible plant, and my response was morning glory. I'm going to go find that tweet and put in, you know, Russian thistle at this point, because yeah. morning glory is not causing anywhere near the kind of problems that uh, Russian thistle is. Morning glory is pretty. Yeah, pretty right. hard to get rid of. Hard to get rid of, but that's, <laughs> that was always my, you know, because I'm a lazy guy. And uh, I always like the idea of if something's pretty, it, why not just let it grow and fill your entire yard, right? Every morning, all these little blossoms, <laughs> like what's the point, right? As long um, as you're really super good with only morning glory and nothing else, like uh, no more any other kind of plant because morning glory is going to just choke it out to death. You better like about, morning glory. How about blackberry skin? I'm good with blackberries just because they're so tasty to eat, but I recognize that they're a horribly, horribly pervasive, invasive species. Uh, yeah. uh, they're, they're wicked. The, the damage they're doing is pr- pretty bad. Uh, I, like, I love going to pick blackberries and making jams and pies and stuff with them. I really do, but they're awful. So they're yeah. great in the parks. They're great in the alleys. You just want to keep cutting them anytime they come anywhere near your yard. <laughs> well, and yeah, they're they're pretty bad too, yes. And it's guys um, like you, RJ, that are just all happy about those blossoms. Oh, just let them, just let them go. They're beautiful. They're yes. God's creations. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, right. Thank you for that. <laughs> it's like when you have seed pods in your yard and you mow them and you watch all the little seed pods <laughs> go up in the air and drift into the neighbor's yard. That's right. <laughs> Well, you know, Lewis, listeners, one of the things I mentioned, we mentioned uh, Morning Glory. So RJ once years ago had Morning Glory infesting his backyard because, of course, he loves to just let these things go. But for some reason, he took it into his head to remove it. And part of the mission was to discover which neighbor on which side of his backyard, which neighbor had been careless and allowed this horrible thing to migrate from their yard through the fence into his. So we start tearing this stuff up. And if you've ever dealt with Morning Glory, you'll know there's just miles, miles of vine <laughs> everywhere. So we're tearing the stuff up, tearing the stuff up. We find that it has gone from his yard into the neighbor's yard in some cases. Bummer. Tear it, tear it, tear it. We tear it all out of there and we find that it has come into his yard through the fire access space at the back of his yard. And we follow it out there and it turns out that in that fire access space, about two years probably before we did this exercise, they had dumped a whole bunch of crushed rock to make it a, an accessible space, right? And this morning glory, all of the stuff that was in his backyard appeared to have come from one little bit that came up through about eight inches of this crushed rock. Now think about yeah. that. It got buried by this crushed rock, found its way back to sunlight through about eight inches of it, found its way across that, and into his yard where it just exploded. I mean, that's stuff. You can hate it if you want, but you've just got to admire that survival drive. That plant has evolved to beat 
a lot of different conditions in order to survive. It's incredible. Yeah. That was a fun. Well, there's exercise. one. There's one out behind me in the window that's behind my head. There's morning glory out there. Came up the side of the garage. Somehow got into the shed around the stovepipe at the top and continued to grow downwards. And by the time I noticed it, because it's very small to begin with, and there's a few spider webs in here, by the time I noticed it, it had almost reached the stove. So it was like eight feet of morning glory coming in through the ceiling, just looking for a little bit of sunlight somewhere. Isn't that fun? <laughs> well, it just, I used to think about this when I, way back in the 80s, when I had a yard in Upper Lonsdale, I remember thinking, if I could just find a commercial use for all these miles and miles of, van, of vine, I'd solve the problem and become incredibly wealthy. Because I just, I don't know how it can push out so much material. Like, how can it yeah. convert so much sunlight and whatever other minerals it uses, how can it do it so much? It just, it's incredible how far Amazing. that stuff goes. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's kind of cool, but it's also super annoying. So after watching the tumbleweed video, I was uh, thinking of the old song that I used to hear in my youth. You guys have probably heard it's called Tumbling Tumbleweeds. <laughs> oh, right, right. And it's such a romantic view of the old West with the drifting along with the tumbling tumbleweeds. And so I looked that up and it was indeed, because my parents had a Sons of the Pioneers record and I thought, well, they probably just covered it. No, they actually wrote it. So are you guys familiar with the, the old timey Western band called the Sons of the Pioneers? Yes, I believe I am. I'm only vaguely. I, 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 I'm I sure I've heard their stuff, but yeah, very white. Right. So of course I went in on a, uh, you know, that rabbit hole and got myself the best hits of the sons of the pioneers and they actually wrote tumbling tumbleweeds they wrote quite a few of those old classic westerns um, which i don't have a list in front of me and i've forgotten but did you know that one of the three original members of the sons of the pioneers was roy rogers no yes roy so happy trails yeah. to you until we meet again. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, he left, I think, uh, at least two of the three original members uh, also became actors. And nice. Roy Rogers was the most famous one. And so he left the band after four or five years or something like that. But it's pretty fun listening to those old tunes. Even though they really don't have any connection to any kind of heritage that isn't sort of Hollywoodish. I don't know. I don't think they're from Hollywood originally. I don't know what their backgrounds are. Yeah, but I, that's all I meant. Not not literally Hollywood, but sort of not very authentic. They're not like old spirituals or something like that. They're well. I don't know. I I could be wrong. I think you are wrong. Okay. I think okay. I'm going to take think, that one just as it sits because who knows? Well, no, I'm just going to push it a little bit. So I'm going to say that the old spirituals. <laughs> of course you are naturally. <laughs> I'm going to say that the old spirituals would not be very authentic. They, in turn, would have been based on something that's 400 years before that. So there's no, in fact, there, you know, maybe the first time some Cro-Magnon or Neanderthal or something suddenly realized that it was pleasant to hum a tune. That would have been the only authentic music. From then on, everything's derivative of derivative of derivative. I mean, country music in general is derivative of the banjo came from Africa. Irish music is highly present in country music. 
you know, if I guess you go, well, Irish music, now that's original Irish folk music. No way. It would be based on something from Germany the or Vikings. France. Yeah. So, no, I'm not going to buy into anything being, I think hip-hop is just as original as Irish folk music. Oh, I thought you were saying you thought hip-hop was just as not original as Irish folk music, as spirituals, as jazz, as any form of modern music that we cla- we categorize now as classical, as anything. I thought you were as Gregorian chanting. They're all not authentic. They're all derived from the only original guy probably died about 180,000 years ago or something like that. <laughs> That's, that yeah. is correct. I do say that, yes. Just as original means just as not original. They're both just a f- inverse of each other. So yeah, yeah. So, so there you go, listeners. You know, this is what KJ and I deal with on a session-by-session session basis. You'll notice that my face is not expressing bright red, flaming, violent anger. It's because I've trained myself <laughs> over years to resist. Otherwise, my head and heart would both just explode right here in the camera. There you go. It's all happening here right before your ears, and now you can see it live, maybe, if we get this on YouTube. Skin Good one. Dog, the, the camera likes you. I'm just, I'll just putting that out right now. The camera likes you. Oh, yeah. Ah. Very... Very uh, videogenic. Oh, yeah. good, good. That's good. I moved to light. I've got, I had the crew come in and it's like the rising <laughs> sun. I, I moved this light from somewhere else in the room because when we did our test run on Tuesday, it just looked like I was just like this. It was like that. You can see my face and I'm all in the dark. And since my uh, general worldview is a bit dour anyway, I thought more light would probably help offset that. It's not as bad Shout as yours, to though. your crew skin. Yeah, the uh, the engineers guy, uh, the Feng Shui guys, not so happy with this light, but I can't make everyone happy. <laughs> <laughs> what else we got? Oh, let's let's check our time here, boys. Yeah, you know what? We uh, probably need to wrap this episode up. So let's. Let us do that. That is all we have time for this week, everybody. We've got a million more things to talk about. It's been a fun little first time outing for us. We're going to try another one almost immediately. But we're hoping that this gets to you sooner rather than later. We're hoping in this time of, you know, let's face it, disquiet and uncertainty that you really are taking care of each other, taking care of yourselves. It's actually more than just sort of a... I'm a nice guy wish. It's a, I'd like to preserve my own well-being wish. So make sure you're taking care of yourself. Make sure you're looking out for those around you. And uh, come back and hear us again when we get the next one up. And thanks a lot. Boys, say goodnight. Good night, Dick. Good night. We'll see you <laughs> later, gang. Thanks for watching. Thanks, you guys. Eh? <laughs>